I can be, like I said, like that militant blind person. Right. Um, that's like, why don't you know about this? Why don't you know about this? And then I'm like, okay, well, at the same time, like, why would they know about it? Like, I want mm. people to know about it. But at the same time, like, we're all so invested in our own experiences. And we can really only know our own perspectives unless we mm. challenge our way of thinking. And I think for the most part, people don't want to challenge the way they're thinking. So, uh, you know, how much can I really fault people? Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life podcast that inspires you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life you want to live. My name is Patrick Strevens. On this show, we'll go on a journey together, a journey to peace of mind, a journey to a better life. I'll never tell you how to think, how to act, what to believe, but I want to share with you tips, tricks, behaviors, thought patterns that have improved my life over the years. I want to hear about people who are doing the same, and that starts right now. Joining me in conversation on this episode is a young lady who's living and working in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She goes by her online persona, Blind Charity. While she's no longer active on Twitch or OnlyFans, she still uses the tagline, the charity that benefits one blind girl and therefore the world. Now, I mentioned this because in a way, that's the ethic or the jumping off point for this show. I'm skeptical about changing the world. I'm skeptical that any one person's actions could change the world. And yet, I also believe if you do want to change the world, you have to change yourself. So it's true then. Anything that benefits me or you or charity does indeed benefit the world. I want you to pay attention to two things in this conversation. Number one, this idea of living our values. You know, Charity, she's an advocate, first and foremost. When a traumatic brain injury left her with greatly reduced visual field, some would say blind. In fact, she would say blind. Blind and brain injured. In that state, many of us would crumple. But instead, Charity decided to advocate, to educate. But what does it mean to change the world? What does it mean to advocate for a better world? I want you to pay close attention to the way we talk about living your values. Rather than virtue signaling for money or mouthing off on social media for clout, what does it mean to live your values? Second thing I want you to pay attention to is the idea of identity. You know, in today's political, cultural, social climate, uh, so often our identity is based on an in-group or out-group belonging. You're black, you're white, you're left, you're right, etc. So I asked Charity, you're part of the world's largest minority group, the disabled. How does that inform how you see yourself? And her answer was very illuminating. It was nuanced. In a way, it almost escaped the qualities of language because she was, she basically said that it was everything and nothing. But I don't want to put words in her mouth. I want you to listen for yourself. If you've come to this show looking for a better life, I can tell you better is possible in a big way. And if you've come to this show looking for a better life, certainly you've thought about your identity. You've thought about how you see yourself, who you are. These are huge questions. We might spend a lifetime trying to answer them. But I'd caution you, I suppose, as much as I don't want to tell anybody how to see themselves, how do we base our identity? What do we base our identity on? What does it mean to be a part of a group? What does it mean to think about what people think about us? This is part one of my conversation with Blind Charity. I'll release part two next week. And in the coming days, I'll have a follow-up episode to this one uh, where I will further discuss these ideas of living our values and identity. Uh, this was a lot of fun. This was quite a few months ago that I recorded this, uh, but it was, it was finally time to release it and for it to see the light of day. Enjoy it. I know I did. We'll be back to talk more about it. I hope you enjoy meeting and listening to Blind Charity.
All right. Well, Charity, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to you and, and, and learning a little bit about your, your life and your experiences and, and your outlook. So thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. I love to talk. Oh, good. Well, that's <laughs> that's good. Has that always been the case or you've become a talker as you've grown? Or I'd say it's a little of a combination of two different things. I think I've definitely always been a talker, always love communicating. Um, but then I definitely think there is a brain injury aspect that makes me lack a filter, oh. which then makes me like talking more. Interesting. Do you, do, yeah. you, do you ever get into a situation where it's like you're talking, 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 you're like, I should stop talking? Or is that not part of the... <laughs> No, that's not quite part of it because I okay. do love listening as well. Sure. Oh, yeah. so you're just you just like the input and the output then. That's, oh yeah, oh yeah. That, that's Both cool. Ways. Both yeah. ways. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Uh well, let's say quickly before we go down that road, just thanks to Walter Aliaga who recommended you to me. He was on this show back in October. I learned a lot from Walter. Um and I'm glad that we were able to make this work. So shouts out to Walt. Yeah, I love I love Walter. He's like my one of my closest, closest, dearest friends. So okay. yeah, shout out to Walter. Shout out to Walter. Oh, he's now forced to watch this and share it. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. exactly. <laughs> um so how do, how did you know how do you know Walter? In a professional or like a just a friendship thing first? Um well now it's definitely like friendship. Yeah, for sure. It's friendship. But yeah, we definitely we met through Instagram, just following mm-hmm. each other. And then um when I moved to Edmonton, like just tried to connect and him and I were always talking all the time and got along really, really well. And then, um, yeah, I was alone on Christmas and he kind of just welcomed me in and, um, Mm. yeah, just where our friendship just like blossomed from there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's that kind of guy. Right. And from what I understand, he treats his, cause he does boudoir. He does some pretty, I, well, I don't know what the word is to use for his art, but it's, it requires nudes. a lot of tr- nudes. There you go. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, and he, cause it requires a lot of trust, right. From, from the subject yeah. and, and him. So he's obviously a guy that can, can build that trust in pe- with people. hundred percent. And I especially think in like that world, um, male photographers definitely have a bad rap and right. sometimes it's rightfully so. Um, and he's just, you know, the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it sucks that there is that, um, the, the, am I allowed to swear? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. The shitheads ruin it for the good people, unfortunately. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I did want to ask you, and I swear we will get into your life, but I, I'm curious as to why do why do you think, especially photographers, but just people in general, feel the need to exert that kind of control or abuse over other people? Like, you know, I I got some ideas, but I'd like to hear you say something first on that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there is some. I think there's multi levels to this, but I think that a part of it is just human nature, and I mm-hmm. think that in the animalistic way, you look for vulnerabilities and you look for those open ways in. Um, mm-hmm. I think that humans have evolved cognitively um, past that point, but I think there still is that little bit there. Um, and then, of course, then there's the the male drive for control over mm-hmm. over women in in that primal type of mentality. Um, so I, I think that's definitely part of it. And then I also think it's just a, um, I mean, I can't really speak to the male narrative, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's the the male way of thinking that goes into, um, you know, a woman and nudity, and therefore it's just uh, yeah, some sense of control. Controls. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a fascinating thing to me. It's funny because I said, like the first thing I said to Walter was, uh, you know, your, your work is very sexual. He said, well, no, it's sexual to you, the viewer, because you're, you're choosing to make it. It's like in the same way that a man would exert control over a woman in real life, me as the viewer, I'm exerting a certain amount of control over what is the art to me, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I think that even goes into like speaking to like Westernized culture, like Mm -hmm. in North America and just how we view nudity arguably so different and each different like culture is going to experience that so differently, whether it be to more of an extreme level or more of a uh, natural holistic way, you know, like there's so many different ways and we can only speak to our narrative and our perspective. Um, But that really kind of goes into anything, not just nudity. Well, it's anything. What I realized doing this show was so much of my so much of the world to me is shaped by my perception of it. And, you know, you kind of have to just accept that you're just this imperfect person perceiving, right? 
Uh, but, yeah. but then it's like the problem is when other people try and enforce their, their ideas over uh, other oh, folks. Oh, yeah. You know? And we live in a world where people love to push their agendas onto other people, which honestly, sometimes like I, I catch myself doing it. And like, I don't know, I'm just constantly trying to not do that. But it's difficult, especially because <laughs> well, some people have really bad ideas. Terrible ideas. Yeah. Like <laughs> I got a couple of bad ideas myself, but I try and keep them inside. You know, I, I don't know. Right. Um, let's shelf this for a second. Thank you for entertaining me there for a moment. Of course. Um, just to get the listeners up to speed. Um, you do, you consider yourself like a disability advocate for, for folks with, with specifically visual dis- uh, impairments or, or how do you look at that? Well, I definitely think I, I want to be a representative for as many different disability groups as possible. Um, so 100%, like I would say, advocate hardcore on disability rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't, I would say that I, I can only put myself into um, the blind and brain injured category because those are the only ones that I, disabilities that I have. Gotcha. Um, also, weird way of putting that, like those are the only disabilities yeah. I have. Like, <laughs> I'm supposed to have so many of them. Yeah. Like I can't have them all, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> but I do, I do use my experience to try and shed light on the whole experience of a disabled people and try and use whatever platform I ever have to not just speak on my own experience, but also other issues that are going on um, because accessibility and disability uh, rights issues mm-hmm. um, and access issues are not just something that I experience. They're not just sure. something um, and they're not just something that even like I, I can I can notice more accessibility barriers than just blindness like Mm -hmm. and that's the thing like i try and urge like able-bodied people to kind of see is like you can come across these things you can see them it's a choice not to um so yeah if that kind of no that's sums it up a bit it's good to know and i guess this ties into what we were saying before because it's like disability it's like well that's relative to because you turned me on to the whole the social versus medical model of disability yeah. and that you know i educated myself on that a little nice. bit just to get what you're talking about and i yeah that is it isn't it it's like your disability is only as severe really as it is made for you you know what i mean totally because you totally. seem to be doing okay <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing is like, I am doing okay, but do I still have anxiety every single time I leave the house Mm -hmm. because I know I'm going to come across something? 100%. Now, whether that thing that I'm going to come across is harassment, whether it be just like even today was walking along and I have my cane, luckily, I mean, I guess, but my cane then goes into just a hole that's in the sidewalk. And yeah, just so if that, if I didn't have my cane and my cane didn't go into it, then guess what's going in there? My ankle. And then, so there's all those things. And that, that is definitely exhausting where some days I really can't leave my home because Hmm. I, the second I leave my home, I become blind. Hmm. Like that's the, that's the moment it happens for me in my home. Like, I still have those moments where like I touch something and it literally scares the shit out of me. Um, actually, maybe that's not literal, but <laughs> still, <laughs> hey, still, <it's> a- <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's this, those things. Um, so I do get by really well. And I, I'm, I think that goes into just a personality trait of sometimes I don't know when to quit. Mm. Um, but I also think it, it goes into just, I sometimes it's, it, too much out in the world and people see me in such a small context um yes yeah now that's i was gonna make a joke about shitting myself and that being the disability i have but that yeah well so maybe just to get people really i didn't want to waste too much or take too much time to make you do this but how how do you describe your condition or, or the disability, so to speak, that you have, just so people understand, can at least understand what you're what you're working with? For sure. Um, so like the I'll go from the shortest form to the kind of like the longest form. Shortest form is I'm blind and brain injured. That's wow, exciting. Um, <laughs> now there's so many follow-up questions to that. Right. Um, so the brain injury does cause the vision loss. Um, so my specific visual condition is called right homominous hemiopia. Hmm. Um, now, is that easy to say? No. Um, basically what it is, is like, it's a neurological condition. The portion of my brain that controls the right hemisphere of my visual field is 
damaged slash gone out of my brain. I literally have a hole in my head. I literally am an airhead. Um, <laughs> so th- what that means is that I only have left peripheral vision. So okay. essentially from like this chunk over, that's all quote unquote normal vision. It would be the same of that hemisphere for the average seer. Um, and then everything else is gone. It's not black. It's not um, it's just, it's, it's gone. It's when you put your hand behind your head, you know, when your visual field fades out, mm-hmm. it doesn't become black. It becomes nothing. Um, so it's not like closing your eyes. Cause when you close your eyes, you still have light perception through your eyelids. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just literally just a small chunk of the pizza. And then the visual aspect is only the, the major thing that's focused on as like a disability component. Um, but there's so many other things that go into my brain injury that people, I don't really speak about it much. Um, but so many people that like know me personally, see me on a day-to-day basis. Um, me personally, those brain injury components of my disability are very, very prominent. Okay. Um, very prominent. And there's something that I personally like, yeah, having a brain injury sucks. Being blind is like, whatever, like you get used to it. Brain injury, I don't think you ever get used to it. Well, okay. Thank you for, yeah. for saying so. Because I my my impression was before we started that your brain injury was it is the cause of your, your yeah. reduced visual field, but there's you're saying there's more to it than that. Oh yeah, for sure. Like there's just the biggest thing for me. So where my damage is in my brain is left occipital parietal lobe. Mm-hmm. Um and so the parietal lobe focuses a lot on like the processing of information. So my understanding of things, and that's where even it's interesting, even if I were to have full vision, I still wouldn't be able to read the same way that you do. Uh, I still wouldn't be able because that visual processing of what I'm absorbing and then my brain's putting in, like it just, it can't, um, it can't do it. Um, So I do understand the world differently than other people. Now, how can I understand that when this is all I remember, this is all I know, this is my reality. Um, Not to mention like my personality shifted after, Mm. um, as you know, we kind of mentioned just like I have no filter. That's another aspect of it. Um, Extreme neuro fatigue, um, which, you know, everyone kind of understands like, oh yeah, you get tired at the end of the day, but it's like, okay, well imagine (laughs) that you get tired at the end of the day. And I tend I think that I speak quite eloquently. I think I speak quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, the second I'm tired, that's gone. Oh, like it's gone. Um, cause my brain just can't process, um, the ability to translate a thought into words. Mm. Now, yeah. at what age did this occur? 14. So, um, it would have been in 2008. Um, so I'm turning 29 um, just around the corner. And, uh, yeah, so it's been longer like this than it has Mm. like anything else. Um, but yeah, 14. Do you clock those moments as being a traumatic experience for you? Like, is there still a lot of, uh, work to do as far as putting that into perspective? Oh yeah. Constantly, constantly. (sighs) The stages of grief are constant because it's like every single achievement or life moment, is just like a reminder that I have to do it differently Hmm. and that it was different at a certain point. And I don't even have a memory of what that different was and what that felt like and what that looked like. And then that kind of like plays in my head with quite a bit of a role too. Um, So it's less so about like processing now, like what I went through as a 14 year old girl. Um, And it's more so processing how that moment and what happened then is still impacting me 15 years later and will impact me for the rest of my life. Now, if we keep going down this road, is it going to become depressing for you? Or is this something oh, no. that you, you don't mind talking about this? Cause it's, I mean, it's a lot of people would probably just, I mean, I don't know, just would not have the sort of zest that you have for life Yeah. in this condition. I mean, I think like, you never know what someone's response will be like until you kind of go through it. I mean, right. I, I, you know, you see this now and as, you know, we kind of just discussed like 
I still am processing and grieving and going through those stages, but no, when it first happened, like it took me seven years of acceptance. Like there was wow. seven years where I was like a closeted blind person. Um, wow. I, I would hide my cane at the amount of times I would do a guide dog application and I would back out every single time because the second I have a dog, then I uh, can't just fold up my cane and hide it. Right. So then I have to really own the fact that I am the blind girl. Um, I am that one blind girl, you know, I am going to have to deal with these constant interactions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel like I kind of veered off from the question there a little no, bit. No, no, I don't but... even, I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> I, <laughs> I say it and then it goes away from my mind and I just let you go. <laughs> Poof. Yeah, Perfect. it's, it's, it's one way to live. I guess I, I just, you know, do you ever, I mean, do you dig in onto, well, because maybe we should say you also have a pretty interesting looking life, or at least you make it appear interesting. Like you enjoy life and, and you know, you're, you're very good looking. You're very attractive. Like you're, you're out there. You're, you're someone that I think people yeah. should admire, but is there a reason that you choose to just live as you do in the face of this difficulty? Oh, for sure. And I think that goes into, um, if something was meant to happen to me for a certain reason, and I was the person that this was supposed to happen to, I've always been a loud mouth. I've always been opinionated. <laughs> okay. I have always been such a strong, like when I believe in something, I want it to be known and I want it to be heard. Um, my dad always told me my whole life and I, I even have them tattooed on my wrist, but he's like, be seen, be heard, be read, like mm. be out there, get your voice heard. And then like the other thing he told me was listen, learn, lead, like listen from your experiences, learn from your experiences, lead your experiences. So mm. I have that inherently in me. Mm. And then when like, I do definitely make a conscious effort to put myself out there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it really does go into the amount of times I've heard from people that they've never met a blind person, that they've never come across this. And that always kind of shocks me. Um, because if you just look at like statistically, like if one in three people, or maybe it's like one in four people, um, I could be getting my stats wrong. Don't tone at, don't at me. Um, but it's like, a, there's a commonality of like people that do know blind people. So then when I sure. hear this so often, I'm like, why is it that my demographic doesn't know this? Um, mm. why does my demographic like why is it you're pretty for a blind girl? Why is it all these things? And so for me, like the second I enter out into the world, it is going to be a moment where I can educate people and I can advocate for something literally by just existing as who I am. Um, and I think like, I, you know, I do know too, like you, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. So, you know, if, if people even when I decided to do like a, like a, an online presence, it was always about, okay, well, people are going to look at a pretty girl and they're going to say, okay, here's a pretty girl. I want to look at this. And then they're mm -hmm. going to be like, oh crap. She actually has something to say. Oh, great. She actually has something to teach me. Okay. <laughs> and so now I have like this wonderful audience of people who actually do value that. And wow. it's, it's kind of, it, I don't know. That's definitely what like keeps the passion for it going. It makes me feel like I'm kind of onto something. Right on. Um, yeah. And I do think like, too, like, um, if I, if I am seen as conventionally attractive and that's a genetic lottery win, um, <laughs> then I may as well use that to my advantage. hundred percent. You'd be stupid, you know? stupid not to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not stupid. <laughs> hey, I never said you were. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, it strikes me that you're sort of living your activism, right? Like, I mean, activism in a lot of ways, in a lot of different ways is well, whatever, that's one road. There's a, there's that radical side of it, right. Where it's like, I need yeah. to, I, you know, I'm obviously have lost control of my own life. So now I'm going to go and, and rage against, you know, the system, yeah. but, but you seem it's, you're like a more holistic or a more organic activist where just by being you, uh, allows you to raise awareness. Yeah, there's definitely apologies if you hear horns. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, people are crazy. Here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But exactly. Um, I'd say I definitely do take a holistic approach to it. And I do also take an active, like, um, conscious effort to it, too. Um, okay. I would say, like, am I the person that, yeah, is going and doing more, like, like speaking gigs and going right. and talking to businesses? Mm -hmm. um, no. And I do that 
once again, like on purpose, because I know I could do that. And I have even thought numerous times about doing like a consulting brand, Ah. but I don't really want to do that because I think that's performative change. Ah. I don't really think people actually care about that. And it contributes to like a monetary gain. I don't want it for a monetary gain. I want it for a social change. And Mm. um, I'd rather do that by making funny, cool content and by normalizing it by doing that Mm -hmm. than by going and being like, hi there, my name is, you know, and just like going into this is why and this is why just for people to i don't know for businesses or whatever to feel like they're better than because they they care for five seconds exactly it's something like whatever virtue signaling or whatever yeah you know, that, and they probably get some kind of tax benefit from it like it's it's not really exactly. real in any sense yeah and if i have the control over it and i can control my voice and i can um once again, just, I want to normalize it. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't I try and have that conversation in a normal capacity of just like human to human type way? Why can't, why couldn't I do it by, yeah, trying to make people laugh? Like I love blind jokes. I love making, yeah, people be like, oh, that's a hot blind chick. Like I love breaking <laughs> those norms and those things just by existing. And I, I really do believe that I can, you can make more change by doing that than you can by just like bashing on people constantly. Um, I mean, I do love to roast people. Don't get me wrong. But, hey, I mean, it's yeah. a, a little bit of roasting maybe is okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. But people, or a lot sometimes. Or a lot. Okay. It happens sometimes. <laughs> I mean, people don't respond well to bashing necessarily, but now do you find a certain amount of that, like call out culture or you know, accountability is necessary? Uh, I think accountability is necessary. Mm -hmm. I just think call out culture doesn't work. Cause like I said, I feel like it's performative. Like I feel like it's not making social changes and what needs to happen for genuine change to any sort of community is action. It is a, an action of thought is an action of feeling that when you see a blind person, you're not like, Whoa, what do I do? Or right, I'm going right. to try and be really silent because I'm going to really try and make them like, I, I feel awkward. So I'm just going to be really quiet or I'm going to um, grab someone without their consent. Cause I assume that they're crossing the street incorrectly. Um, the statistics of uh, just, yeah, like 83% of blind people in Canada are unemployed. That's not because blind people are incapable. That is literally just because of a social model. And so I think that those changes are not going, those social changes aren't going to happen by shaming people. It's Hmm. just like, I don't know what proof of psychology would show otherwise, um, but shame generally just causes like trauma responses, not actual like genuine authentic change. Right. I love all that. That's very well said. (laughs) Thank you. I had a girl on the podcast a long, long time ago who was very woke and that was cool. Yeah. You know, (laughs) <laughs> to get to get fed my lunch for two hours about why I was wrong, but she she used the word call in, you know, and so in a way that's what you're doing versus call out, right? Yeah. Like you, by building an audience around your your brand, which is about awareness, does it feel mm-hmm. more like? I I think that's so funny because, and you said that you did some some dancing as well, right? And yeah. it was like people came for one thing, got another thing, and then learned a lesson. Like it's almost like a movie, you know. Exactly. And that's really what it is, is you're coming for one thing and you're going to leave with another thing. And like that, that to me is really cool. I don't necessarily believe in like that call in versus call out or at least not to like a one or the other. I think it's, it's sometimes is appropriate for each thing. Um, I definitely do call people out. I call organizations out and Mm -hmm. I have no problem with doing that. I have no problem with being that angry, militant, fine person. I don't care. Like I really don't care. Um, when it's appropriate though. Like when it's appropriate, like I know that sometimes me trying to bring people in and create change and stuff like that's not going to work. Like sure. It's not going to work if people don't want to be a part of my community. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to call them out and be like, you're a dickhead. <laughs> like you are, you are not a good person. You are not. A, and I um, am very vocal that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm very like, like the, another one of those areas I lack a filter is to say, mm-hmm. I have no problem with, um, calling people out. And I think that goes into two is like, I, I love being proven wrong. Like if someone Mm. can prove to me wrong, like if I call something out and they're like, no, 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 here is how it all 
is accessible or how, um, I mean, I can only speak, I'm speaking to that, but like really sure. with anything, I'm like, if you prove to me that that is how it should be, then like, by all means, mm -hmm. I, I love, I love constructive criticism. I love an argument. Um, <laughs> generally speaking though, in that area, I don't get much back talk other than um, like a big one or an example I could use would be just people thinking like the faking blindness aspect. Oh. Um, yeah. And like this whole, like, oh, you're, you're faking blindness for money. You're doing this for, for clout. You're doing this. And it's just like, come on, prove it to me. Sure. Prove it to me. Right, prove right. it to me how that, that ever would work. Prove to me and with any of the statistics that are out there, any sort of that someone would get more attention and positive attention for being disabled. Prove it to me. I would love for someone to prove it. Right. To go through the yeah. effort of pretending to be disabled. I mean, you'd have to have some, you would have to have a disability of some kind to do that. No, you wouldn't have to have a disability. You would have to be like a real sick person, yeah. like really sick. And like, especially I have a tattoo that says like, it's of my cane and it says still blind underneath it. And I have that intentionally mm. for those moments. I mean, it was a moment of uh, trying to accept my like blindness and be like, no matter what I do, I'm still blind at the end of the day, no matter how much I try and hide it, still blind, no matter what I do, still blind, no matter how I'm perceived by the world, still blind. Mm -hmm. Um, no matter how much people think I'm faking it, still blind, still blind. Yeah. Now I, I often, well, I sometimes see folks who they place their identity, uh, they, they make their identity about their belonging in a group, right? I'm yeah. left wing, I'm right wing. I'm yeah, people love that. People love that. Now, yeah. it's it's tougher, I guess. Do you how do you come out on that? Cuz obviously because it affects your every waking moment and sleeping moment, your entire yeah. life is about your but do you base it on a group identity or do you still see yourself very much as an individual? I like are you meaning in the context of like cuz I don't know if now you're asking me a left or right question, but if you're asking me about the blindness, like do I feel part of like a blind community kind of thing? I guess it's that's one for sure. But I guess I'm curious as to how much of your, is disability the right f phrase here? Like your, your, I would say yeah. How much I of your, know. yeah. How much of your disability is your identity? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's maybe two parts, two part answer to that question. Sure. The one part would be like to me, um, it's, it's everything. Because like you said, like it's, it's every single waking moment. I don't have a choice of turning it off. Mm. Um, now for other people, I think they definitely could be seeing it as like, yeah, you're putting it out there. You're, you're calling yourself this, you're, um, you know, making your whole thing about your blindness and stuff. And, um, but once again, it's like, from my perspective, I don't turn it off, mm -hmm. but because I don't turn it off it also is not a part of my identity at all. Mm. Like once again, in my, in my existence, am I thinking like when I'm at home just on my own, oh yeah, I have to remember to pour my glass with my finger in it because I'm blind. Like, remember mm. that. Right, right, right. I'm not thinking that that's, this is just my world. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it is a part of my identity and every single thing I do, I will always have that perspective that is going to be different from everyone else. Um, whether I like it or not. Uh, but at the same time, like, I also, like, I, I, I love doing stuff. Right. Like, I, I don't want to let anything hold me back. I, I want to, um, experience the world as much as I can while also recognizing that I do have limitations. That's why you nailed it. Well, I, I assume you nailed it. It's yeah. that felt right. It's yeah. I guess my, my issue is that there are so many, I, I don't want to be this guy all the time, but like mm -hmm. there are plenty of folks in the world who sometimes seem to put themselves as being more disabled or more traumatized or, you know, victimization because of the the points they can score. But this doesn't seem yeah, that it is obviously. For the, it is, yeah. Well, and it is for that like victimhood, right? right. Like um, there definitely is. And I like, will I say like, yeah, I'm a victim of ableism. Hell yeah. hundred mm. okay. percent. Like I am, like I do experience all that. And then, right really breaks me down and I don't want it to happen to anyone else, which is why I'm doing all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, it's for my community, which is the, then kind of goes into like your last few questions of being like, yeah, I do feel part of a community in that. Right. Um, but at the same time, I'm, 
I'm multifaceted as a human being. Hmm. Um, and when I can, when I cannot be a victim, that's, that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. Like when right. I can just go out and just be me, that is amazing. When I have friends that I can trust that I can, I can go and do things or, um, I have been a guide dog user. And then mm-hmm. during COVID my dog retired and then I, there, I mean, the world just kind of fell into chaos. Right. And so getting a dog wasn't really a possibility. And so I had to go back to my cane life. Oh. Um, and, but when I have a dog, like I am so much more free to do everything I want to. And that, that's something I've really, really been missing out on because when mm. I have my cane, I definitely have to rely on other people more. Yeah. The dog retired. Yeah. Did you did. have any say in that or? <laughs> um, well, y- y- yes and no, I did have a say in it. Um, and each, each different school, guide dog school is different. Um, but with her, um, it's just kind of like an age factor motivation. Sure. Um, during COVID too, with all the parameters, super, super like not blind friendly. Like how do you teach a dog that you are guided by now dog, you have to stand six feet apart from people. Um, I got a lot of people yelling at me for a lot of different things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, If I'm going down the wrong way, if uh, I I need to be going down this way and I should be going that way. And now I'm crossing paths. Now I'm in someone's face. Like, Oh, it was a whole thing. And it just really was not like just yeah, not good for, for a dog and not good for a, a blind person in that world. Um, so, so yeah, that was part of the retirement, which is really unfortunate. She was seven years old when COVID started and yeah, now she's just over nine and a half. And mm. so, you know, she's in, she's in that stage of her life where she just doesn't have the motivation to, to not make me bump into things. Fair enough. She, she did all she could for you. Exactly. She's like, listen, you're on your own now. Um, <laughs> so she's living her wonderful retired life with my dad and oh. his dog and on acreage. And, oh. you know, she's just living the life. Life's good. She put in the work and now she, she did. <laughs> she did. I know. Selfishly, I'm like, I'm like, but I want you here, Fran. Um, and then and then for her, she's like, well, what what purpose would that be for me? I'm now a dog that's going everywhere to now a dog that's just staying at yeah. home all day. What, what's no. that about? So. Looking after your ass. No, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She deserves it. Does every impaired person get a dog if they want one or that's probably a whole issue, right? Well, that's a whole different thing too. So like one, like, um, no, not every blind person can get a dog. There's a couple, there's a Actually, there's a lot of steps to getting a guide mm. dog. It's way more complicated and far longer than most people think um, it is. Okay. Um, so don't even get me started on talking about fake dogs or, yeah. Um, but <laughs> so, sorry, I know, what was the question? It was more of just a statement. I was just curious, like, is it easy to get a, a guide dog if you need one? Oh, oh yes, going to that. So no, there's some blind people that uh, if they have too much vision, you can't, because oh. uh, uh, blindness is such a spectrum, right? like such a spectrum. So people who are legally blind, like just in that category, like there's people who are legally blind who can walk around with, without a cane, without a dog, who hmm. read, like it, you can still be very like a sighted functionality hmm. um, with legal blindness. So, so you can't always get a dog in that aspect also. Um, given that visual disabilities um, statistically are more so with an older demographic too, you want to make sure the dogs are, are moving. Like they need uh, to be doing their job. So if you're just kind of staying at home, not really going many places, a dog's probably not the right fit for you. Um, the dogs do want to do stuff. They want to be active. And the schools also want those dogs to be utilized because gotcha. um, there's not going to be enough dogs for every single blind person. But, no, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah the dog, yeah. the dogs want to be out there partying and, and smo- 100%. <laughs> whatever else yeah. smoking up on the balcony and going to the Eskimos game. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you're oh, up exactly. to. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's, that's what my dogs deal with me doing anyway. So to yeah. be fair. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I don't know. It's very weird. I donated to the CNIB once oh, just the guy yeah. got me at the door and I, yeah. okay. And now I it's, well, I, yes, admittedly. Yeah. And then now I get, a, now I get a calendar every year from the, from them. So I, it's, it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Yeah. But, I'll bite my tongue on my opinions of the CNIB. No, please let it rip. No, I'll, I'll bite my tongue or I'll tell you. Oh, time. don't off, do that. Camera, okay. Fine. Camera. I have, I have a people, people, 
knows me in that world. Oh. Yeah. Oh, don't do this to me. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. 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 (laughs) Well, this is over then. Goodbye. You're going to start start keeping secrets. (laughs) (laughs) I never said secrets. I, well, you know what? Yeah, it is secret. I'm mysterious. (laughs) I, well, to, to that end, then, as as someone who goes around Edmonton and and lives a fun life, how inclusive is Edmonton on a scale of one mm. to ten? Or, uh, yeah, inclusive, ableist, yeah, disabled good, friendly. Yeah, no, good, good question, actually, because I have lived a lot of different places in mm. Canada, um, like a lot of different places, and I love that actually because I love comparing accessibility in oh, different okay. places that I go. Um, so I can say actually Edmonton uh, transit is better than people I think give it credit for. Um, because I'll say it like Toronto, I'd put it in the same category. And you'd probably okay. expect like Toronto to do be a little bit better. It's not. In fact, yeah, I put it at the same category, if not worse. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the transit, I, I, the train line, like, I think it's really useful. Mm-hmm. The timings that they put it out there for. Um, I hate the buttons to open the door, but I guess I understand it to a certain extent, but those are not very blind friendly. Uh. Um, there's a lot of the the beep boops, as I call them, but the, the audible signals sure. on crosswalks, there's mm-hmm. many, many of those. I'd say far more than the majority of cities I've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, where Edmonton really lacks in accessibility, in my opinion, is, um, which shouldn't really be a surprise because I'm sure drivers will agree with me in a different context. This sidewalk suck. Like, <laughs> the sidewalks are so bad. Yeah, okay. And I'm, I'm really currently really actively working on 104th street they love to take over the sidewalks with their patios that's kind of like a thing sure thing and i recently yep. learned that i guess um that restaurants can get a permit to have a patio that takes up two meters of the sidewalk okay. but the majority of sidewalks are two meters wide so bylaw wise they are breaking bylaw but they also get a city permit so it's it's a thing that I'm working on right now because sure. the, the city kind of I don't know how no one's brought this to their attention. Like I don't know how like I'm the person that's like been I just come on in here and I move here and I'm like, hey, did you know like this, you can't really do this? Right. Like you can't <laughs> do this. And they're yeah. like, oh, well. shit. Because we kind of said they could do it, but you're right, they can't do it. So now what do we do? Um. So yeah, the sidewalks in that aspect, as well as just like the potholes and everything is just not so great. And um, frankly, this is maybe like a different accessibility issue and may sound a little bit controversial, um, but the crime and homelessness in Edmonton is a accessibility barrier, frankly. Mm, sure. Um, when there are people that are sitting in the stairways um, shooting up, not really great. Not really great. I don't really want to walk into that mm-hmm. and um, can't really get around it. So, yeah, that's mm. that's a whole other accessibility thing. And that I would say I've not I've never experienced that in any other city. Really? Yeah. 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 And I lived in Vancouver for a period of time, too. So that's interesting, that's too, because they got 10 cities going on over there. Well, yeah. But what's the difference yeah. there, though? Like, I don't know. Edmonton has a real issue with homelessness oh, and yeah. with drug use. Yeah. So right. why those two things are, I have no idea. I'm I'm the newcomer. I just moved oh. here like October. So someone please explain to me uh, why I, this is such a thing here. I wish I could. It's 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 worse than it's ever been that I've ever seen. It seems like it's worse every time I go yeah. down downtown. Yeah. Every second. It's that I agree. Like it seems like every single day. It's just like wow, wow. It's interesting though, like just for conversation, when you see somebody using drugs in a public place, you'd have to say that that's their disability expressing itself. No, or I wouldn't say it's disability. Okay. Um, I do think that, that addiction or, um, mental health issues, I, 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 I'm going to sound so controversial. People are going to hate me. I think physical disabilities are different. Bottom line, I think that's really what it comes down to. I think anything that can be medicated or treated um, in certain types of ways, um, Mm. it's different. I I don't have any treatment. I don't have anything I can do. Right. No, 
Um, so, so that's where I think that, that it's different um, quite significantly. And I don't think that physical disabilities get enough representation and um, hmm. talked about in that type of way because it's, it's very popular now for, for mental health advocates. Yes. And it's very, um, that is trendy right now. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I also just, I don't agree with like, I don't know. I just don't want to like have the, I'll have empathy and I'll have acknowledgement of that experience. Mm. But at the same time, I won't uh, discredit things that of, um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there's some element of, of choice. There's some element of, of working through your addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no element of me working through this. So. I, Hey, I love to hear it. That's a point of view. I'd never even considered, like I never even considered those two issues together. So thank thank you for, you're welcome. That's where I try to have, um, cause I can be, like I said, like that militant blind person. Right. Um, that's like, why don't you know about this? Why don't you know about this? And then I'm like, well, at the same time, like, why would they know about it? Like, I want Mm. people to know about it, but at the same time, like we're all so invested in our own experiences and we can really only know our own perspectives unless Mm -hmm. we challenge our way of thinking. And I think for the most part, people don't want to challenge the way they're thinking. So, Uh. you know, how much can I really fault people? Like, there's some things I fault people for. Like, I don't like when people <laughs> sure. just message me out of the blue and are like, when did you go blind? And it's like, you don't even know my name. Right. Like, what What are you, what are you providing me? Like, what are you providing sure. me? I, w- I would love for anyone who wants to ask me any sort of like question out of the blue like that without even like, like just, sh- what are you, how are you benefiting me? Cause you clearly want to know something. You want to use my time to be, to know. So right. What? <laughs> that, that was an interesting turn. Does that, does yeah. that, does that happen a lot where people just out of the blue come at you? Daily. Really? Daily, daily in multiple contexts. I'm t- like on the street. I have random people, random people, like not even kidding. I'll just be standing there on the corner, even with someone. And they'll be like, are you blind? And it's like, <laughs> okay. No, it's Halloween. Yeah, you've got a person that's there with a cane. If you really want to look down, you can see my tattoo. Like, it just the, if all signs point to this, then why is the conclusion of this? And even when to, most recent, oh, not most recently, there's a lot of things that's happened, but recently, um, going into a, a restaurant mm. and the host, uh, oh, yeah. this was during like the Oilers playoffs, but the host says, um, oh, is that for the refs? And he was meaning my cane, but I don't see what he's gesturing at. So I'm just really confused. I'm like, what's for the refs? Like, I'm not wearing anything. Like, I don't get it. Or in stripes. My girlfriend will kind of was like, and I was like, what, what's going on? Like, why is everyone acting all weird? Like, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, oh, your cane. And I was like, oh, you're meaning like, I'm trying to dress up as the refs because I'm what? And so that's a person I have no problem calling someone out in like in that context let's call and, them and out right like, now where did they work and what was their name <laughs> brew house downtown oh, no. what their name was i have no idea he's but the fired said, yeah. he's fired he's out no and i didn't even say anything because that's just i what can you say i think he and i think he had his like oh shit what did i just say right. and i hope people continue to have have like those moments mm-hmm. but yeah I've, i i could tell you so many stories about the amount of what I consider harassment people like had a group of men walk up to me and one of them put his hands in front of his eyes and he's like, Hey, can I use your cane, bro? No. And it's like, dude, like I'm almost 30. Like <laughs> I'm almost 30. I'm too can old you, for like, this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I'm like, listen, I got bullied in high school. Right. I am too old to get bullied nowadays. Like no more of this. <laughs> I left high school. I thought it was like, Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Yeah, it gets when? Better, actually. When though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when though? Well, never. And I, it seems like now you're probably more tuned into it, but like what is going on in the culture these days? Is it selfishness? Is it ignorance? Is it stupidity? Like, no, I don't think it's any of, well, I think it's uh, just a very internalized experience. I think it's just right. very, and yeah. is that coming from people because they feel very unheard, very unrepresented? And, or is it just because we're hearing about it more because everyone kind of has a social platform where they can get heard? Mm. Um, I think all these things have existed 
always. And I think yeah. in a lot of ways there has been, um, some progressive movement forward. Actually, mm -hmm. I should say there has been progressive movement forward. Like blind people used to be like institutionalized, right? Like, like there's, there's, that's how the CNIB was founded. It was an institution oh. for the blind. Uh -oh. So I'm, I'm very aware of what my, my past community has been. And I don't want to say that things have gotten better, but it's still, mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that it just goes in. I think it's just social media and people have a voice now. So you just hear those things you, more so. You hear more about it. I, it yeah. seems, yeah, we're more aware of how much suffering is going on and how many just it, issues. You, you, yeah, and how many unique experiences are being had in this world by people with all sorts of. Yeah, you know, lives that they're living, bodies that they're which is kind of cool. It is. Like in a way, it is cool. It is exhausting for <laughs> sure because <laughs> you're sure. like, you don't matter, you don't matter, you don't matter. But it's it's everyone just really wanting to feel like their voice matters, and it's it's this balance of finding the uh, yes, your voice matters, but it also doesn't. And I can even say that for my my voice, right? Mm -hmm. Like my voice matters, but only if people want to listen. If people really don't want to listen, if people really don't want to to care, they're not going to care. And I have to accept that, which I don't like doing, but kind of got it. You kind of got it. It's you can, it, is. it is what it is. It's just, it must yeah. be tough to be, to feel yourself burdened by your situation, but then to also apparently be a burden to other people's stupidity who like, they're going to use you to now educate themselves on the street corner. That's exactly what it is. It really is. And it goes into like, I'd say burden is the best word because it's like this burden of proof. It's it's and even it's mm. it's feeling like I have to speak about it because I want things to be better. But then and also because people have this curiosity. And so I want to tap into that. Like anytime someone has curiosity, like I want to, I want to do that. But then also like, but yeah, to what extent? Like at what extent? And I've right. even had to right. really find that balance within myself because it's exhausting. You know, and it goes into your question about identity and like if I like just fully identify with this and kind of make it a part of my identity and it's like, yeah, it's when it becomes too much of my identity and I just constantly see the issues that I and my community face, it, it, it wears on the mind quite a bit. Right. Yeah. How, yeah. Mu how much of that I've asked this to other people who whatever how much of that yeah. do you do you take on like and how obviously you can't distance yourself from your condition but how yeah. do, you, do you ever have to sort of step back and say i can't be this person all the time 100 percent, 100 percent. like i used to stream on twitch and i have a really great following on twitch and i miss twitch like crazy um but it really messed with my head hmm. constantly because hmm. i'm having like swarms of thousands of people say them the same thing and i love it once again i love it in a way because i'm able to hit all these communities but i, I it burns me out because mm -hmm. I, I don't turn it off i don't it, it doesn't right doesn't turn off for me right? right so the second i i you know hit end stream it doesn't end for me it may end for all those people right. but it doesn't end for me and then how much of that and then when okay, well now I have to go to the grocery store after my stream. Okay. Well, it still doesn't end for me. And it's all these areas. It still doesn't end. And, um, I, I want that choice of when it ends. I want that choice of when I can turn it off. Um, because there's, there's not many opportunities that I can. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are yeah. there, are there, are there moments in your life when you feel less, like what are the things you do that sort of relieve you of, of feeling burdened that way? Like, are there, you know, for sure. Yeah. Dancing is like one of my biggest hobbies. It nice. makes me feel so free. It makes me, um, feel so connected to my body and my existence. And I, and I don't feel like that blind girl when I'm dancing, mm. I feel like I'm just very connected to the music. So dance is definitely that music just in general is that for me. Um, one of the reasons actually that I fell so much in love with like dancing on a pole is that it's so tactile and you have mm, a grounding point. Sure. I don't feel blind when I do it because I know where I am at all times. And that's a really, really cool thing. Um, that I think is like a side that most people don't really understand, you know, that, um, but yeah, yeah. That's an area also just like, 
I just love to, which kind of goes into the music thing. I just love to like relax and smoke weed <laughs> and uh, nice. do nothing. And yeah. that makes me feel very like <laughs> away from it. Uh. Like that is my self-care moments. Um, also too, like when I'm with certain people mm-hmm. who really do, um, I am fortunate. Like I have come across people. There's not many, but I have come across people who really do understand how to um, help me integrate into the world. Mm. And those people are the ones that, like, yeah, are super, super cool. Like just yesterday, I w- went for a walk without my cane or anything, and to just play you know, just Tim Hortons down the block um, with a friend, and that was beautiful because mm. I was like, I no one knows. No, no one knows. knows. No um, one knows. And that feels really cool because that's like no one has to know. Um, I can just live in my own internal world. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot there. Getting yeah. getting high, that's pretty, that's cool. <laughs> that's what I like to do. I like, the, to, I like yeah. to smoke weed. Hey, I, I can't fault you. <laughs> I did that for many years and then kind of had to stop because it was making me weird. But if, uh, it, if it starts making you weird – promise me I'm you. weird well okay too late right I'm already weird <laughs> like you know I'm a reject of society well, it's okay. okay but if it makes me more weird and like in a way that's not good then yeah maybe I'll, I'll cool down on I'll cool down on it but so right now it's my happy place hey, I'm not gonna take that away let it rip man it's exactly. and it's, it's legal and it's pretty cheap so <laughs> exactly right there's worse and you can things even grow it yourself grow it yourself did yeah. you install that pole in your apartment yourself? I sure did. I sure did. I don't Do know if it's we, oh, like it's right. Yeah, oh, we can see it. It's yeah. right beside. Okay, yeah. So you, you can see it. I'm like, wow, I never knew. Um, but yeah, I did that. I did that myself. They're really easy to install, to be honest. Are they? Um, okay. You just get yeah. a, you just ordered on Amazon or what? No. Oh. I got mine from, uh, it's called Loop It Pole. Okay. Um, I actually like wrote like an article for them. Oh, nice. To, just to kind of about like, yeah, just what dancing does for me and everything as a blind person. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just like, you essentially are just creating like pressure from the, okay. the ceiling and the floor. Like that's how it's all there. So mm. um, you just kind of twist it on up oh, and then okay. it just pushes, pushes up and uh, yeah, make sure you get a joist right, um, yeah. in the ceiling. Yeah. It'll pop through, make sure that it's secure and uh, make sure that it is plumb um not not level because yeah my dad would be so proud of me in this moment for saying that yeah yeah yeah. but um (laughs) so make sure that otherwise you know things will not fully be sealed and yeah but i've done it enough times myself okay you know it's it's pretty simple at this point and the neighbors love it the downstairs neighbors you know i don't i I don't have downstairs neighbors so so i'm lucky with that otherwise um yeah they probably they probably wouldn't like me very much but so be it so be it you know these people and their their rights you know that's a sickness just let the the girl dance right just let the girl dance (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode of self-control how to build a better life i hope you enjoyed listening to charity's story and thinking about what it means to be disabled in a largely abled world and as well i hope if you're coming to this show in the hopes of building a better life for yourself Um, you found it interesting at least or constructive to think about what it means to live your values and how there's a tendency to be performative in what we believe but there's also a difference in in living that Um, and it's difficult it's not easy I struggle with it myself and as well I hope you thought about what it means to form your identity um, in the face of immutable characteristics like disability and the tendency to base our identity on a group belonging Again, if you're looking to build a better life, identity creation is something that we need to think deeply about. Um, So those two topics for sure, I'm going to follow up on very soon in the coming days uh, with a long form episode, or I should say it won't be that long. (laughs) I'm going to follow up on those two topics in a solo episode and, and think more about that. And of course, I struggle with it. I don't ever want you guys to think, I don't ever want you guys to think that I'm some kind of guru coming down from the mountain. We're going to work on these things together, no doubt. And of course, most importantly, stay tuned next week for second part of my conversation with Charity. Uh, We spoke about her time as a sex worker. Those are her words. Uh, Her multiple banishments from TikTok. Um, What does it look like to create media versus consume media? Why is it important uh, to treat 
both sides of the spectrum with respect if you're on the spectrum to begin with. And what are Charity's hopes for the future? Could she be a mother someday? And we ended that discussion with something I didn't necessarily expect to get into, birth control, the hormonal apocalypse of our time, and abortion. And these are large political, social uh, concerns, but I found them timely because they have to do with our person, ourself. And we'll talk about that going forward. We'll talk about the way in which large social forces, which may not have our best interest in mind, govern and rule our body and how part of a better life is taking control of our body. I look forward to talking with you all again then. And until then, remember, better is possible.